Amen. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Brother Tim. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate all the songs. Uh, go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 13. I enjoyed our choir this morning, too. What a privilege God has given us. I hope you don't take for granted what God has given us here at Bible Baptist Church. Appreciate Neil filling in for me last Sunday. Uh, thank God for faithful men. I was, as most of you know, I was paddling my way around the wilderness of uh, Upper Michigan and uh, had a good time. But uh, good to be back. We are working our way in Sunday nights through a series on being wise uh, in a foolish world. And uh, the book of Proverbs, of course, is the book of the wisdom of God, and it would help each and every one of us to uh, make it a daily matter of our Bible reading to read some part in the book of Proverbs. Uh, through this series, my goal, as I tell you every Sunday night, is simply this, is that each of us would be wise beyond our years. If you're tonight and you're a child, my desire would be that you would be a wise child. If you're here tonight and you've been around on this earth by the grace of God for many, many decades, that you would be a wise senior saint, wise beyond your years. We are in the block of Proverbs that I called Wisdom with Our Money, and this is our fourth and final message on that. Next week, uh, Lord willing, I will begin a block called Behavior that God describes as being wise. Two weeks ago, we talked about how to have less money in life. God warns us of a fewer sure ways to have more poverty. He said a lack of diligence. He said loving pleasure and celebration, refusing instruction, choosing bad friends and influencers and wasting what we've been given, that all of those would bring more poverty in our life. And no sensible person is looking for extra poverty in life, though poverty will find many of us. And poverty is at times a very good instructor. God wants us to live wisely. And so he's taught us a few things about handling our money wisely. Remember, no one can be saved by handling your money wisely. No one is saved by the amount of money that they give. People are saved by the grace of God, given through Jesus Christ. And a lot of times in the church, I I think that's the only message we want to hear. And by the way, that's the only message that matters for eternity. But when it comes to life, God doesn't just want us prepared for eternity. God wants us prepared for life. He he wants us to live a blessed life, and that comes by behaving ourselves wisely as He defines wisdom. And so before we leave this subject, there are a couple of other things God teaches us about handling our money wisely. Stand, if you would, please, in honor of God's Word. should grab me in Proverbs chapter uh, 13. It says there in verse 11, Proverbs 13:11 says this, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Thank you. Might be seated. See, when, they, when we think about handling our money wisely, the first observation, number one, is this. How you earn your money matters. Don't ever get the idea that it doesn't matter to God or to your future how you make your living or obtain your wealth. It says there, when we obtain our wealth through vain means, it will be diminished. Uh, Stealing, gambling, cheating, immoral and illegal activities do produce wealth at times for a while. But when you obtain wealth that way, it will not last. 
By the way, the same could be said when it comes to making our money by vain methods. If we make our living in a way, though not directly immoral, if we earn our living in a way that keeps us from having any time to honor God, any time to invest in our marriage, any time to invest in our children, and any time to do ministry for the Lord, that would be equally vain, though not equally immoral. On the other hand, in contrast to that, he teaches us that if we obtain our wealth through labor, it will increase. Now, one of the biggest difficulties that all of us have when we think about laboring for our wealth is that laboring for our wealth generally produces wealth more slowly than more risky, illegal, or immoral means. And so I just want to simply remind everyone of Proverbs 28.20 that says, He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Now, some of the people who obtain their wealth by vain means do so because they don't want to play by the rules. Or others do that because they don't want to wisely and slowly obtain their wealth by labor. Say, Brother Wally, what's that mean in practical terms? In practical terms, that means you'll have a lot less in your 20s and 30s than you'll have in your 50s and 60s. In fact, some of the dumbest young couples I've ever met are people who insisted on having everything their parents had at 50 when they were 25. Um, By the way, just to be clear, labor does not have to be physical labor. In the mind and eyes of God, labor of any sort is noble labor. It doesn't matter whether you're punching keys on a keyboard, looking at a screen, or holding the wooden end of a shovel. Labor is noble labor. Now, as we obtain our wealth by labor, most of us are going to go through years when we just feel like we cannot get ahead. And as soon as we get ahead... Uh, something breaks or some medical bill comes along, and, and most of you know what I'm talking about because you're in that phase of life. In fact, I have a little note uh, in my Bible right by that Bible verse that just says this, lottery versus labor. You and I will reap what we sow because God has designed life and designed labor to be like that, because there is joy and nobility and purpose in labor of any sort. And what I say to you tonight, if you are someone here who is younger, who seems like you cannot get ahead, what I just say to you is this, keep laboring, keep handling your money wisely, keep sowing, and you will reap. Now, the wisdom of obtaining wealth through labor instead of by vain and hasty means is one of the reasons I do not play the lottery. Though I have said on many occasions, if my father-in-law hits it, I'll take some. And so would you, so don't be so stinking pious. Now, I don't know if the show is still on, but there used to be a show. Uh, it was called Lottery Ruined My Life. And, and I thought it was a very fascinating show because they just tracked the lives of people who suddenly had gotten millions of dollars uh, of a cash infusion through the lottery and ended up more poor and more broke when it was all said and done than before they hit the lottery. And in most cases, too, it ruined their relationships. By the way, money isn't your answer. If you don't bring a better you to the situation, money is not going to help. Uh, Money is simply going to enhance what's there. Uh, Mark it down. If you have to do something dishonest to obtain your wealth, it will diminish rather than grow. 
So let's just decide to be honest, because Proverbs 10.2 says, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. Let's just decide to work for a living instead of living off the government. Because in Proverbs 14.23, it says, In all labor there is profit. Let me ask you tonight, as we begin to think about handling our money wisely, do you care how you earn your money? How carefully do you guard your integrity? How carefully do you guard the Lord's time in your life, family time in your life, to make your living? By the way, let me just pause and say this. It is great family time on a Sunday night to ride to church together, to sing the same songs together, to listen to the same message together on a Sunday night. I commend you for being here. And that is one of the goofiest things I have ever heard when people cancel church for family time. Like it's more noble family time to sit in different rooms of the house and play on your computer and phone in different rooms. That's goofy. Make sure that we obtain our wealth by labor and honest means. But that is not the only way we handle our money wisely. Number two, turn back a couple pages to Proverbs 11. And depending on who you are here tonight, you're going to hate this or love this. Here's number two. We should give away some of the money we make. We should give away some of the money we make. Notice what it says in Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. He that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Now, whether you and I like it or not, the Bible is filled with exhortations to give and warnings about not giving both of ourselves and of our wealth. And if you've heard me say many, many times from this pulpit, the best indicator of how deep our heart is for God is marking these two things. How do we handle our children and how do we handle our money? Because those are the two dearest things to every human heart. Now, here in these Proverbs, we're taught in verse 24 that to scatter brings increasing, and to hoard what we should give tends to poverty. You see that in verse 24? It's talking about giving. Verse 25, uh, we learn that uh, if you li- have a liberal soul, and that's not in the modern meaning of liberal, it means generous and giving, that, uh, that word has taken on a different connotation today, and even the people who call themselves liberal have changed that which is fine because I don't like liberalism as it is currently defined. But if you're liberal, if you're giving and generous with your wealth, that is something that causes your soul to prosper. And, by the way, when you water that way, you'll be watered. That's just another way of saying, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In fact, he talks again about it in verse 26, because how we give affects what people think about us. If you withhold corn, the people curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Listen, uh, we are supposed to be generous people as Christian people. You say, why? We have a generous God. Jehovah, the God of the Bible, is a generous and giving and gracious God. Listen, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. He doesn't withhold any good thing from us. 
You see, the idea of giving and being generous is an oft-repeated theme through the book of Proverbs and the whole Bible, including the New Testament. By the way, let me just say this. It is very different for the government to take our money and to decide who they're going to give it to and you and I to decide who we give our money to. But uh, one of the things in Proverbs it talks about when we think about this subject of giving is that we ought to give to the poor and the poor and uh, God returns to us. Look in verse uh, chapter 19. We're just studying in Proverbs, so... If you were looking to get in another book, you'll have to come back a different time. But in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17, it says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Uh, God repays when you give to the poor. Look at chapter 14 and verse 21. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy in the poor, happy is he. Your generosity affects your joy. Look up in chapter 21 and verse 13. And these are just examples. There's a lot of them in Proverbs. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Now, I'm not implying that the guy sitting down at the Cincinnati Bengals saying, with the little cardboard thing that says, oh, why lie? I'm going to spend it on beer. You know, I'm not saying that, 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 you know, you, you have to give to everybody like that sitting along a roadside. If you want to, do it. What I am saying is this. Uh, We ought to be generous people with those who have less than us. Now, I understand that poverty is a relative term. And that those who are poor in America have much, much, much more than the poor in other countries. Uh, It's always been like that. There will always be poor. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. The point is not that we'll ever stop poverty. The point is this, that we ought to be generous people. We ought to be givers. Uh, notice in chapter 21 what he says there in verse 25. He says, The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. One of the qualities of being righteous in God's sight is to be generous. Uh, look at chapter 22 and verse 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. For he giveth of his bread to the poor. Look at chapter 22 and verse 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. By the way, uh, the lottery is a regressive tax. Listen, in Indian Hill, there's nobody spending 50 bucks a week on lottery. You go into the poor parts of our, uh, of our city and, and our nation, and what you'll find is the poorer the neighborhood, the more of their money they spend on lottery tickets. That is a whole system on the back of the poor. And God teaches us that we need to be generous people. Now, I understand that many who have less in life are in those circumstances because of decisions they've made. But listen, but by the grace of God, you and I could have been born in different circumstances. And but by the grace of God, you and I wouldn't have any ability to acquire wealth. Listen, if you and I have the health and the mind and the opportunity to work, it's only by the grace of God. I understand there are more needy people and more good causes than any of us can meet personally. I'm just saying this, you and I ought to have our eyes open to look for somebody or some cause that God brings to our attention to give to. 
Because when it moves from our hand to theirs, that is the hand of God to them. Listen to me. Giving is not just something for the rich. It is something for all of us. Because when we give to someone who has less, it keeps our heart warmer and our priorities better. Are you a giving person? Are you a generous person? Now, I understand there's some people with the spiritual gift of giving. I don't have it. I wish I did sometimes. And some of you are far more like me, where you need to more yield to the Spirit of God to become more generous in in giving like we should be. Are you generous in giving? Do you always make excuses? Well, that's their own fault. Might be. Making sure we remain charitable and generous is part of handling our money in a way God describes as wise. We're talking about handling our money wisely. Uh, First, we understand if we handle our money wisely, we obtain it by labor, by good, honest means. We understand if we're going to handle our money wisely, secondly, that we give some of it away. Uh, You're going to like this one too, Proverbs chapter 21. That's what it says in Proverbs 21, verse 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Here's the third aspect of handing our money wisely. We should be saving some of the money we make. Uh, Did you see that? If you're wise, there's treasure and oil in your house. It didn't have a bank. Everybody went back in them days. They were hiding it under the uh, rug, buried beneath the dirt and whatever uh, in your house. And it says it's foolish. To spend it all up. We should seek to labor for our wealth. We should give away some of our wealth. And we should save something. Now some of you here tonight are like me. You're a much better spender than you are a saver. Now I don't know where it is for you. But I can tell you. I go into Bass Pro. And it is unlimited. In the things that I could waste money on. I do not have property. But I would buy a four wheeler. Say, what would you do with that? I don't know. I just, man, just to have that thing, camo and everything. Uh, I'm not even a deer hunter. I just, uh, I'm just, it would be just great. I look at them bass boats. I think to myself, man, that would be great to have a bass boat. What do you do with that? I use it once a year. I, I'm no different from you. The, the only difference is, is which store makes you feel like that. I hope at least one person in your household is a saver. <laughs> because saving something is wise and spending it all up is foolish. Now, according to a December 2015 Market Watch article, listen to this, 62% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account, and 21% don't even have a savings account. That means if you're here tonight and you have a savings account with more than $1,000, you are among 17% of American households. And I know what you just said. I'm not so bad. There's a lot of people doing dumb like me. Uh, Listen, Uh, we are supposed to labor for our wealth, Uh, get it honestly. We're supposed to give something. And yes, we are supposed to save something. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how much to save, but it does tell us we should save something. 
Listen, if you're here tonight, uh, you ought to be saving for retirement. If you're here tonight and you trust our government to save for your retirement, you're not wise. Listen, that money that uh, uh, the government has in Social Security, that's been long spent. Now, whether to be there or not, I don't know. You need to be saving for retirement. Uh, now, I have to confess, there's been times in our life when uh, our situation was such, we didn't save for retirement. You say, what do you call that, preacher? You call that dumb. Now, I remember growing up, I grew up, as many of you know, on a little family farm in, in Michigan. And uh, I think when I was a kid, the minimum wage was like $5 an hour. They used to pay me $2 an hour. And, uh, man, they worked me hard. And that was bad enough, but my mom made me save 50% of everything I made. The only saving grace of my whole childhood in that issue was she did not make me tithe. I don't know if she ever knew about it. I don't know this. I just know. She made me put 50% of everything I made at 2 bucks an hour or picking potatoes, dragging a 60-pound basket of potatoes behind me for 25 cents a basket. And then it was a great deal. When we finished the whole field picking potatoes, they'd give you a buck to load them and unload them. Gee, thanks. And then she made me put 50% of it away. I didn't like it at all, but you know when I made it to college? I had some money in the savings account. I was real glad my mom was like that. In fact, you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody living a balanced life who regretted having money they saved. The fact of the matter is, is that they were being wise and I was being foolish. And, and by the way, that parent, if you're here tonight and you're a parent, that's why you're there. Whether we like it or not, no matter how intelligent our children are, because they're immature, you know what, they do some foolish things. And God gave you to them on purpose. Every family here ought to be setting some money aside in an emergency fund. You say, why? Because it'll keep you from using your credit card when something happens. The dumbest debt you can have is credit card debt. And I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand, but I have no doubt that if I said lift your hand, if you've got dumb credit card debt right now, oh, hanging over you like a dark cloud that you struggle to get out from under, there'd be hands go up all over this room, and you'd say, yeah, that's really dumb debt. But have you thought about it yet to be dumb enough to start saving something so you get out? Now, when our children were growing up, we uh, used to, uh, we had a separate savings account, and we would uh, save for vacations and Christmas in that account, and we'd put something in there every check. In fact, every young couple that I counsel, I always counsel them to save money for vacations. You say, why? It's good and healthy to get away. Listen, there are a lot of things you can do on vacation that are free and cheap. You know, some of the best memories I have as a kid are just going on vacation with my family. Uh, we had an old pop-up camper, and we would go to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I'm from God's country, Michigan, that's right. And we would go up there into the wilderness and uh, stay in that pop-up camper. I could tell you stories for two hours. Like the time we were fry- frying fish, and we had a German shepherd puppy, and he was there. He just started going nuts. And I look off over there in the woods, and about 50 feet away was a big black bear who had been drawn to our campsite because we were frying fish. And my mom patted, ah, 
car, get in the car. And my mom and sisters got in the car, and I was about 16. I was so dumb. I'm going to tell you what, when they have a picture of dumb 16-year-old, they've still got my picture there. I'm not even exaggerating. I picked up the lawn chair and went over and I threw it at the bear. And I was close enough, he had to move. Say, so why'd you get that memory? Because we were too poor to go anywhere else. I could tell you stories of my dad and I driving down them old dirt roads in the upper peninsula of Michigan, of finding places to fish and, and hitting big rocks that were in the road. And one of them punctured our transmission and the oil all leaked out. And we're there we are in the middle of nowhere, stalled out on the edge of the road walking. So why'd that happen to you? We're too poor to go anywhere better. I remember one time we were looking for this lake, driving down this two-lane track, and there was this huge puddle. It was probably from about me to the wall uh, long, and it was about as wide as this platform. And I stopped before the puddle, and I said, Dad, uh, do you want me to drive through? He said, go for it. So I, it's his car. We didn't get out and check the depth. We didn't do anything. Threw it in drive, went on in there. Car stalled out in the middle of the puddle, and that puddle was so deep, I'm not lying, when we opened the doors to get out, the water came in the car. So what'd you do? We closed the doors, began to walk. So why'd that happen? We didn't have any money to do anything else. Listen, there is great value in, in, in you just saving some money to be with your family. Now, listen, as pastor, it is really difficult at times to watch our summer attendants go through the toilet and, and to scramble around for workers. But you know what I hate even more than that? I hate when you don't take your time and get away for a few weeks a year with your family. By the way, none of the large gifts given to our church would have ever happened if somebody didn't save money. Let me just remind you uh, that uh, about six years ago we prayed and an unnamed person who I've never met gave our church twice as much as we asked for and they wrote us a check for $640,000. So how does that happen? Because it all belongs to our Father anyway. Somebody accumulated some money. From our own midst, we've had plenty of gifts, and many of you uh, have sacrificially given, and the only reason you were able to do that is because you saved some money. Listen, you will never regret living a balanced life and saving some money. Let me ask you tonight, are you saving anything? It's hard to do, but it's wise. Are you spending everything? God describes that as foolish, and it is very easy to do that. Listen to me. Let me give you one of the best pieces of wisdom when it comes to handling your money you ever get. Are you ready? Live within your means. If you can't live within your means, you are not wise. If you can't shop in standard control, stop shopping. 80% of the marriages that fail in the first year fail because of money problems. I wonder how many of our family fights would not even happen if we handled our money better. Making sure we save something is one of the qualities God attributes to handling our money wisely. And lastly, and I know that's your favorite word, 
Please go back to Proverbs chapter 3. By the way, this is not how I say to handle your money wisely. This is how God teaches us to handle our money wisely. He said, get it honestly. Labor. If you're able to labor, labor. He says, when you get some of your wealth, if you want to be wise in my sight with your money, give something. Be conscious of those who have less and be conscious of causes that uh, matter. He says, if you want to handle your money wisely, he says, save something. And then lastly, number four, he says to us, pay our debts on time. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 says, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. Now there are two things in the book of Proverbs we are warned not to withhold if we would be wise in God's eyes. The first of those in Proverbs 23.13 is for parents not to withhold correction from their children. And the second is here when we're warned not to withhold good that we have when we owe someone something. The context here is clearly related to wealth, though this principle could be applied to many other things as well. Now, when I was a new Christian 32 years ago now, as a young adult, uh, this was one of the first principles in Proverbs that I remember capturing my heart. Uh, In my secular job, I was often responsible for signing off on invoices on things that people ordered, and uh, then I pass that signed invoice on to somebody in accounting who paid that bill. And let me just say about what my attitude was before I began to understand this. My attitude was, is, hey, I've got the stuff. I don't care whether you get your money. So what do you call that? You call that foolish. You call that wrong. See, I was so busy after I had the things that I wanted that I didn't care enough to pay them, and to me it was a low priority. And God used this principle of handling good that was under my control to change my heart. Now, I don't know when the accounting people paid the invoices I signed, but this much I do know, as soon as I got the invoice, I signed them. By the way, just so you know, as a pastor of this church, one of the things I always do when we get an invoice in the mail, I sign it right away and I get it to Brother Mike. And because I know Brother Mike's heart is the same as mine, he pays those as soon as we can. Say, what if they're net 30? We pay them as soon as we can. We don't wait. If we have the money and we don't buy it, if we don't have the money, we pay our bills on time. That's a part of our testimony. I understand. And I've talked to small business owners and they lament to me that, People take 45 and 60 and 90 days to pay their bills. And sadly, some of those places are churches and some of them people are Christian. I just say that's wrong. I've talked to many Christian people over the years who seem to not care whether they pay their bills in time. I'm not implying that Sharon and I have never made uh, been late in a payment. I would just say this. If it ever happened, it happened by accident.
We need to pay our bills on time, not withhold good when it is in the power of our hand to do so. You see, when we're living wisely within our means and we're careful with the debts we incur, we pay what we owe on time. How careful are you with the debts you incur? How careful are you to pay your bills on time? Do you withhold good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it? But before we close tonight, you know, there is a greater debt that each and every one of us here tonight owe. It is an unpayable debt for our sins to a holy God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible says that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth debt. Listen, every person in here tonight, you understand that in the sight of a perfect holy God, we have fallen short of His moral perfection. He said, don't lie, and we've lied. He said, don't steal, and we've taken things. He said, honor your father and mother, and we've got into it with Him. He said, don't have any gods before me, and we've made things ahead of God in our life. He said uh, that we should not lie, and we've been dishonest. We have a debt, not to the devil but to God. And what God did by His grace is He sent His Son Jesus to die in our place. And He paid that sin debt. And so that the only hope you and I have to pay the wages of our sins is Jesus. No matter how well you handle your money, no matter how much you have in the bank, No matter how much you give to the church or the work of God, none of us can give enough to save our soul. Only Jesus can do that. If you've never been born again, you've never trusted Him, tonight's a good time to do that. And for those of us who have, it's a good time just to be honest. How are we handling the wealth that God has given us? Whatever that might be. Would He look at you and me and said they're handling what I gave them wisely on a moment we're going to have our invitation but our invitation is going to be a little different I want us to have an altar of prayer for our country now if you need to come and uh, you, you need to talk to the Lord about the way you handle your money or whatever that is that's fine too but we're going to have an altar of prayer for our country I want us to pray for our leaders So I don't like the policy of our leaders. You know what? I don't either. But the Bible doesn't say pray for them if you like their policy. It says pray for them. We need to pray for their safety. We need to pray for their wisdom. We need to pray for their relationship with God. We need to pray for our soldiers. Soldiers overseas. Soldiers in harm's way. Soldiers away from family. We need to pray for our country. Did did you realize, watching the news, the kind of tinderbox that so many things are right now? And all it takes is one thing sometimes to happen in a neighborhood and just all sorts of violence erupt. We need to talk to God. We need to stop being the kind of people who never listen to anyone else. Do you really try to listen to the people who live in the inner city and to try to understand the plight 
of what they feel. We lament what goes on and we lament that they don't listen. Do we listen? And we need to talk to the Lord about this. We need to think about those families who lost someone 15 years ago. We need to think about families who this very day watch their husband or wife as a police officer or a fireman who leave the house every day and they're not as certain they're going to come home as you might be. It's a good thing to pray. Amen? If you'd quietly stand tonight and make our altar an altar of prayer.